You're listening to a podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au where we celebrate talented Australian writers and their books. So I'm here at the Jugiong Writers Festival and I have the distinct pleasure of talking to Sydney poet Eileen Chong. Welcome Eileen. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. Now, our audience are emerging writers. A good proportion of them would be poets or people who are dabbling in poetry. So it's lovely to talk to a successful poet like yourself. Could you tell me a little bit about um, when you were growing up, were you always attracted to poetry at school, for example, or is this something that came later in life to you? Um, I've been thinking about this question a fair bit because it's a, it's quite a common question that's asked and while I never, I, I think I always liked poetry but I couldn't really remember a time when I would go and seek out a book of poetry, then I realised that because I grew up um, in a Methodist school, when the boring sermons were going on, I would be reading, because you're only allowed to have the Bible on your lap. But, you know, it's the Bible. There's lots to read. So I would turn the Bible open and I would only pretty much read Proverbs, Psalms and the Song of Songs. My beloved is mine and I am his. And I realized later in life that it was because these books were written in verse. So, yes, I guess you could say I was attracted to poetry from a really early age, but I didn't know it was poetry I was attracted to, if that makes sense. And tell me, are you a bit of a romantic? (laughs) I would say I am a hopeless romantic. (laughs) Many poets are, because um, I guess, uh, you know, I'm going back to um, Dead Poets Society and how passionate those poets are and how they're driven by their... um, their romantic element <laughs> and their passion for life. Yes, exactly. So tell me a little bit about your poetry and your first published poetry. Um, my first published poem was in Mianjin and it was following a reading of um, my poem at the New South Wales Parliamentary Poetry Reading. And I think that was in 2010. Um, maybe 2009 and the first my pub, my first published poem was called Lu Xun Your Hands and I only started writing poetry seriously in 2009 when I was doing a masters of letters at Sydney University I didn't know I was a poet before that oh, right. That's um, interesting. I was studying with Judith Beveridge and she yes. was instrumental in my becoming a poet right right and so what's your background were you born in Australia or not I was born in Singapore Um, grew up in Singapore, was educated in Singapore. I moved to Australia in 2007. Right. And you you came for education? Is that that the reason? Um, My ex-partner was Australian. I met him in in Singapore and he said to me that he was moving home to Australia and if I would come and I said yes. And I'm very grateful for that because I would never have moved to Australia or Sydney um, if I hadn't had been in that situation and I absolutely love, I didn't expect to fall in love with Sydney or in Australia and in fact I'm still in the same suburb even though we stood up, I'm still in the same suburb because I've, I'm in love with the place, you know. Oh, right. Are we allowed to know what suburb that is? Uh, yes, it is uh, uh, postcode 2011, New South Wales. It's uh, Kings Cross, Elizabeth Bay, Potts right. Point, Darlinghurst. Right. We all share the same postcode. 
Oh, I lived in Elizabeth Bay once. It's a, it's a very exciting place. I'm down the road from Joanne Burns. Oh, wonderful. So, all right, you discovered your, your, that you were a poet when you were at Sydney University, is that correct? That's right. That's right. And so, do you remember the first poem that you had uh, published? Yes, that was Lucian, Your Hands. In that was the very first one. Right, okay. And so, can you go back to that time and what was the, what was the driving force for that poem? I remember actually the act of writing that poem. I was in my study in my um, second home and I'd been, you know, as, as, as a poet and as any writer would tell you, you, you work all the time, you read, you read widely, you think about everything. And I was reading um, about this Chinese writer, Lu Xun, and something about his story just really captured me and I started to think about his relationship with this um, his lover who was 19 when, when she met him and he was 45 and she was his student at Beijing University and I felt a great um, I felt very indignant because this young lady had been a budding writer when she met this man and she basically became his secretary and I thought why would a 19 year old girl fall in love with a 45 year old man no matter how accomplished or wonderful he must have really good hands so I wrote oh, the poem. Really yeah. And so and so you um, perhaps you could give us a little little part of that poem? I I might. Um, the epigraph to the poem is from her letter to Lu Xun. Um, and this poem is called Lu Xun, Your Hands. But as you look up and inhale the intoxicating smoke from your tobacco, can you spare a thought for those scrambling to find a way out of this nest of scorpions? Shi Guangping in her first letter to Lu Xun, 1925. Lu Xun, your hands are clasped behind your back, across the black silk of your scholar's dress. My eyes trace the length of your fingers encircling your wrist. Tonight, Lu Xun, your hands will drag the heavy, eloquent path across my milk-soft skin. Your mouth will cease to form words like liberty, ideology and compassion, but will instead silently enclose the peach blossoms of my breast. Lu Xun, your hands are the instruments through which you conduct desire. In the morning, your fingers are pale and controlled. Your brush hovers, then descends upon the sheets of rice paper. My eyes follow only each stroke. Your thoughts unfold before me, beginning at the moss-green rocks. They linger in the shade of the toothpick pavilion, beneath its heavy jade tiles. They form a deep red half-moon bridge across the rush of river, fed by the waterfall whose origin lies in the death-grey mountains. Lu Xun, your hands warm the wood of the pipe that I fill. My fingers, deft as birds in flight, strike a matched soldier, Provoked, it flares orange and ash. Dragon, you exhale whole curlicues of cloud. Words as yet unformed in my mind now go up in smoke. They too know that I am in heaven, Lu Xun, for your hands. Oh my goodness, that's powerful. That's powerful on so many levels. There's, there's 
It's infused with culture. It's infused with passion. And there's the, the eloquent writer in the character there as well. And my goodness, I found that very, very powerful. And I can see that you're lost in it too. It's, 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 it's from your soul, isn't it? And so how much does a poet... I know you were inspired by this character and, and outside, externally to you, but you must bring a lot of yourself into a poem. Is that right? How much is a poet expressing their own emotions through their characters? Um, I suppose I can only speak for myself because there are as many ways of writing as there are poets or writers. But for myself, um, I was recently at a poetry salon in Bondi run by the wonderful um, Luke Fisher and they asked the question about um, compartmentalization of real life um, as opposed to your poetic life. And for me, there is no difference. I live and breathe poetry and I find it, in, for me, the, the beauty in poetry is in the emotion. So I'm, I'm personally not drawn to cleverness or form or anything, but if there must be an emotional hook for me for a poem, and I, I think I, the same applies for me in the writing of it. So, and it's almost like with every, with every poem, I, I need to find the emotional key to the poem before it will reveal itself to me. Um, and I've just, I've just written a new poem that I've been trying to write for about six months and it took a long time because I couldn't work out what, I, what it was I was meant to be writing and I, I wrote this poem for my friend Jason and um, I was reading a chapter from his book, he's a novelist and um, it present, the, the key presented itself to me and it was remarkable how the, um, the emotion then unfolded. Yes. Well, if you could um, um, give us a little excerpt from that, I think that would be just wonderful. So this is a, a brand new poem. I'm, I wrote it um, last week, within the week, and it's called Circle. Ankles as tiny and spare as a bird's. Everyone is Henry Miller, Jason Dunn. In the churchyard, the people have gathered, somber as crows. You're in a dark suit, your eyes empty, shadow. Around you, friends and family, rumple and in shock. Everyone ants scurrying around the great roots of the fig trees, 200-year-old Morton Bays, sending electrical signals of loss and dismay along scent trails. The bamboo groves have outgrown imagination. They belong on some movie set with acrobats. Your sparrow laid out in her coffin, lowered into sacred ground. You wed in that church. She must have worn heels beneath her dress, stilettos perhaps, but underneath the lengths no one could tell as she glided down the aisle towards you and the both of you, young and in love, said, I do, I do, I do. That's beautiful. And once again, we're, we're, we're talking about life here, aren't we? This is, this is about life's um, um, major events. You know, a, a marriage is here, but this part here, you're in a dark suit, your eyes emptied, shadowed. 
I'm just thinking this is what's going on internally in a person. We see the external, the stilettos, the, the, the acrobats. <laughs> but I'd, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm talking about you are delving deep into the emotions that are behind these, these things. Is that right? Well, I've also conflated, um, you know, I suppose it's um, like four weddings and a funeral. So there is a funeral yes. in this poem, but, you know, these are lives made of events, births, yes. marriages, deaths. Yes. And in this... Where the emotions the most. And, and also the most controlled or confected, yes. you know. So, um, well, I found, I found it interesting that my, my friend's... Um, um, wife is buried in the same churchyard as the church that he got married in. I, I found that incredibly moving and the notion of, of something coming in a circle and the completion and the circle of life I suppose and mm. just how how life works you know. So I'm very very pleased for the gift of this poem. Mm. And I think there's nothing like poetry to, to, to bring out the intensity of the emotion isn't it? And I think I think it's you know as writers we always talk about writing, you know, saying more with less. Nothing is more difficult than a. Po- I can't imagine writing a poem that that has as much emotion and, and meaning and intensity that you've managed to, to do here. It's it's a real skill. And do you uh, do you write many many poems that are not published? Do you are you always writing poetry? I am always writing poetry and. Um, I think it was an. I think it was the London Review Bookshop that had an. I might be wrong here, but I think it was the London Review Bookshop that had an installation of a writer in the window with a with a computer or a typewriter, and every day the writer would turn up and work in the window, and it's a real reminder. It's an amazing experience. It's, it, it would be, and, and you know, I mean, I think the bookseller told me he was very, very generous, and my books um, are actually in that bookshop. I cold called them, and and um, it, I think it's remarkable. It's a remarkable reminder to people that writers and creatives in general are not people who sit around waiting for inspiration to strike, <laughs> waiting for the muse to. It is a job like any other, and it is labor. It is, it is labor, and it is physical it is a physical job as well as a mental job you know so yes I I try to write all the time I might not be writing complete poems but nothing is wasted I don't believe that anything I read or experience or live through or or write is wasted although not everything I write may become a poem sometimes it's just practice sometimes it's rehearsal sometimes it's fragments towards something but nothing is ever wasted No, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Um, you mentioned reading poetry. Who are your favourite poets? Oh, um, my my one of my great poetry heroes is Philip Levine, who um, has just passed away. Um, he was very kind to me. I was writing my PhD on him, on his work, and um, he wrote to me some lovely emails about my um, my books and uh, a lovely letter and just reinforced to me that the man is the same as the poet really for him he lived and breathed his work you know there was no division so Philip I love Philip Levine I love he was an inspiration to you 
um, um, a very direct, a very direct inspiration, really. Um, when I was, I, I was in Judith Beveridge's class, and I couldn't find my way into poetry. And I was reading Philip Levine's poem "What Work Is," and the penny dropped somewhere in the middle of the poem. There was a complete aha moment, and Judith actually said that she'd never seen anyone not being able to write poetry one day, and the next day just writing it. Because something had clicked in my brain when I read Philip Levine's poem, and it was like something had shifted in his poem. And I thought to myself, "This is what poetry can do. This is what I want to do with it." And of course, I mean, way back, you know, like we're going back to high school years. I love T.S. Eliot,、um, you know, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. I remember the day my teacher brought that poem into class, and I, he started to read it, and I just sat up and I said. What is that? Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky like a patient either rise upon a table. I was like, this is not poetry. This is not what I thought was poetry, and it changed my life. And I'm such a poetry tragic that even today, if I'm lowering my blinds in my home, I think to myself, and then the drawing of the blinds. And if I'm walking down the street and the lights come on, and I think, and then the lighting of the lamps. You know, it's, it's a hopeless romantic, a hopeless poet, <laughs> isn't that wonderful? But it says a lot about what it takes to be a poet. It's that intense emotion that is translated into beautiful words. That when you're deep, deeply into your poetry, do you feel as though it's disconnected from your reality, temporarily, occasionally? Um, yes, I would think so. My friends accuse me sometimes, and they say, "Eileen, your world is all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, isn't it?" And I say, "Yes, it is." And it's because I make it so, I suppose. And and I'm incredibly lucky to get a bit of work teaching poetry through the Red Room Company, and that really helps. And、um, I was on a postgraduate、um, um, scholarship, so that that helps. And、um, But I can't remember who it was who said that there is no money in poetry, but there is no poetry in money either. That's a beautiful way to end this. I just love that. Thank you very, very much for sharing this with us.、Um, where should people find your poetry?、Um, you can you can look up my work and、um, on my publisher's website, Pitt Street Poetry.、Um, just Google my name, Eileen Chong, C H O N G. My first book is Burning Rice, and my second book is Peony. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au, and if you are a reader or a writer, then hop on over to our website and subscribe.